Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Lore Sports proudly brings to you the best racing podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, Lauren Leach, the color guy, Mark Allen, the Loose Slugs Racing Podcast. Hey, Loose Slug Nation. Welcome to episode number 93 of the Loose Slugs Racing Podcast. Uh, shout out to Chris for the awesome intro once again. Also, Mark, we're welcoming a new sponsor on board the podcast. Tim with the Corporation has come on, so big thank you to him. Uh, I was speechless last Thursday when we were talking about it, so uh, thank you, Tim and the Corporation. Uh, we're looking forward to this partnership coming on. Far out, man. Sounds great. Absolutely. Uh, hey, when I think of the number 93, I think of Satorius Racing. They've had a, uh, a few drivers drive for them. I think of Andy Weinberg, my uncle Zuman, um, Nelson was in the car, uh, Dave Satorius, Dylan Hammond, we had him on earlier in the year. Uh, I also think of Johnny Ziegler, uh, Dave Blaney, Travis Quapel, Ted Chamberlain, and Slick Smith. Slick Smith. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> hey, how about Chester Ace? Yep. And, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he's one of the top truck guys. And, hey, I seen a picture this week of uh, Benny Parsons, an old, old 50s ratty Chevy that was yellow and white, and it was a 93. And I went, oh, I'll, t I'll check that out. So, yeah, that's pretty much my 93s there, right there, buddy. Yeah, we were talking before that Dave Blaney Sharp 93 Amoco car, mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Yeah. When that one came out, just like that was some, something special back in that paint job back in its day. Absolutely. Uh, hey, we, we got um, a great episode ahead of us. We have Brian Henry stopping over in your man cave uh, so we don't have to go to the hotline. Uh, we also are going to talk about IRP with the truck series and then the Indy Road Course for the Xfinity Series and Cup Series. And uh, let's get right into it. So let's uh, bring Brian Henry on. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's try number two here. Uh, there'll be a story before we get into this uh, this number two here. But, hey, man, thanks for joining us. Sorry for the issues before. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Hey, how about Cloud Nine from your big victory last Thursday? Huh? Yeah, we uh, we definitely are still enjoying it. But at the same time, we know that we got to get back to work. That was one night, and obviously we got to keep rolling, and everybody else is trying to win as well. So this week we we actually went and did something a little different. And if you ask my crew guys. They uh, said, this is the first time all year we've took the same car to the track two weeks in a row. Now, physically the same car, but every single week we have went with a different setup. And uh, Chase said to me last night when we were doing all the checks on it, he's like, wow, we got to write this down. This is the first time we've gone with the same car. We've been changing springs and we've been trying some different stuff. And uh, yeah, it was definitely definitely exciting to win that night but got to get back to it and hopefully we can pick up another win before the season's over we've had a really good car all year and been close but uh yeah 
How fast are you able to move off of Cloud9? Because obviously you want to really enjoy it. You never know when your next one is. We've talked about that. Um, but you also know that you have just a short few days before you have to work on the car again to get ready for next week. So what's that process like in moving on to the next week? Well, um, you got you to gotta enjoy it because, you know, they don't, at least in my opinion, in my personal circumstances, they don't come as much as, say, a guy like, well, Sawyer, for example, this year. I mean, Sawyer's winning a lot. Um, I haven't won that much, especially at Kakan. I haven't won a lot. So you got to enjoy it when it's there. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you got to let everybody else soak it in too. So your family, your kids, your fans, your crew. Um, in my opinion, by the time... I would say, you know, we still, we're still happy we won. We won the blue race. You know, that's pretty cool too. Um, but you got to get back to it. And, you know, the car doesn't fix itself. And there's a lot of stuff. You got to check on the car. You got to change oil. You got to change tranny fluid. You got, you know, make sure everything's nut and bolted. So as much as you'd like to just kind of enjoy it, there's also a lot of work to do. And in my personal life, we're, we're very busy with a lot of stuff. So, you know, Thursday night we win Friday night, we got go-karting. So, you know, we roll into the go-kart track and I got some people at the go-kart track that know we race at Kakana and, you know, Lou Goss comes up to me and he's like, Hey, congratulations. You know, and the owner of the track, Brian Ambrosius, he's like, Oh, the big feature winners in the house, you know? So people are, putting it back in your head but at the same time i'm there for my kids my nephews um we're there to go kart so you're you kind of forget about the whole night before thing um you know my my wife still didn't forget about it because she might have overindulged thursday night <laughs> and uh you know she wasn't feeling so good come friday so um you know that that also was on the back of our mind that you know, yeah, but like I told her, I said, Hey, you got to suck it up. We don't win all the time. It's like I told all you guys when we were in the pits and we were having some cocktails, I said, we got to enjoy this. Cause you don't know when the next one's coming. I mean, who knows? You might not win the rest of this year, maybe not next year. You don't know. Um, a lot of things factor into that. So yeah, you got to enjoy it. But as far as like, how long does it take? Um, I don't know it, you know, when you win, it's, it's something that I don't remember all of my wins, but that win I'll probably remember for quite some time just because, um, you know, we've won a couple times at WIR and both times they've kind of been marred by different stuff. Um, some controversy, whatever. Last year we got awarded the blue race win off a, a DQ. Um, but I didn't get to celebrate on the front stretch. We didn't get to take pictures. I didn't get to have my kids come out. And, uh, Thursday night was really cool because, you know, Camden come running out. Like you had told me, you're like, you know, <laughs> you were there in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> um, all my crew guys were very happy. So it's one that I'll probably remember for quite some time, just 
because of how it went down too, you know, we, we had a really good car. We had actually a really good car all night. We had our worst qualifying effort of the year, which was a sixth. But I said during practice, I'm like, the car's really good. It just didn't have speed. And uh, the car was up at race tech. We had some issues with it, you know, that we we're fighting. And I just, I said, Joel, just take a look at it. See if we can, you know, if I'm missing something. And we found something that was not right in the front end. And uh, so there was a lot of stuff going on between the car being up there. Um, we, we tried a couple different things in it. So I kind of came out with a car that uh, was new to me, per se, because we had a little different setup. I hit the wall a few weeks prior, bent the rear end. And I'd been racing the last three weeks with the rear end bent. And we were just trying to compensate for the rear end being bent with moving some trailing arms around and just kind of limping it along till we could get a new rear end tube put in it. And uh, so I didn't really know what to expect with the car because it was a new setup. Like I said, rear ends now back being right. And it felt really good, but it just, it didn't have speed. And in practice, we didn't have speed. And then in qualifying, it was okay. I actually thought I put down a better lap than I did. And then all of a sudden, you know, when you come up to the tech shed and the crew guys are like, oh, we're, we're like in sixth. And I'm like, wow, it felt like a better lap. But I gave up a little on corner entry. You know, it's one of those things you got to get back trust in the car. And the last couple of weeks with the car being the rear end being bent, there was something not right in the front. You lose a little bit of the trust in the car. And I felt like the car was faster. It physically sitting in the car, I thought, oh, I put down a good lap. And then you look at the board and it's like, oh, that wasn't that great of a lap. So I knew once the car got underneath me and I felt the trust in it that we'd be okay. So there's a lot of things that led up to that night of um, why it, that will be memorable to me. Um, so I think we'll remember it for a while, yeah. Let's go back now uh, to the beginnings here. What are your earliest memories of racing, and then how did you get involved? So I've always been around racing. My dad was a racer, um, raced for many years. Uh, 141 did some stuff at Kakana, uh, some Dell stuff, some Plover stuff. Um, my dad raced with a lot of the, you know, like your uncle Zuma Newman. We talked about that. Um, my dad was good friends with Jim Pagel. Uh, did a lot of racing and I was always around it, but I was always a stick and ball player. You know, I played baseball all summer, so racing really wasn't my thing. I, I liked it. I had the matchbox cars, did the whole thing at home, you know, playing cars, making a little racetrack on the carpet. <laughs> I always liked racing, but never really thought I would become a racer. And then when I was eight years old, my dad bought me a radio control car. We'd race at the Eagles club on Thursday nights. And I remember I actually still have the newspaper clipping. The newspaper came down and did an article on me because I was an eight-year-old kid racing with adults and doing really well. So 
Not that radio control car racing is a, uh, a direct reflection upon our big car racing that we're doing now, but you still learn radio control car racing. You learn eye hand eye coordination. You learn like the actual racing mentality, you know, like where I'm passing, when I'm passing, you know, just even like the, uh, what do you want to call it? The, the groove of racing, you know, how to keep your momentum up, sweeping out wide in the straightaways and down low in the corners, right, Camden? Apex. Yes. So you learn a lot of that stuff from radio control car racing. And I did radio control car racing till I was, I think I was in high school, the Eagles club. Finally, they didn't have Thursday night racing there anymore. So, um, we kind of went away from radio control car racing and, you know, my dad always had yard go-karts for us and stuff like that, but I never raced like go-karts at a competitive level, you know, like what I got my kids into now. I never had that experience. Um, I don't honestly don't even know if back then, if that was a thing, I'm sure it was, but you know, my dad didn't have us in it. You know, we just did our yard carts and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, as time went on, when I turned 16, my dad, uh, got me a street stock. And I remember when he first brought this, actually, he took me to look at it. And I remember we went to this house and it was parked out in the grass, tall grass. And the thing was painted like Terry Labonte's Kellogg's car, the red and yellow one. And I was a big Terry Labonte fan back then. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But the car looked just like it'd been through world war three it was beat it was rough and my dad's gonna buy this thing and i'm thinking oh boy what are we gonna do with this now mind you my dad growing up always had beautiful race cars um red and yellow cars always beautiful my dad didn't have a lot of success racing um but he always had the best looking cars. I think he won the best appearing car at Kakana for like three years in a row. And I remember him telling me, I don't know if it was Dan Lewis back at, in the time that did the photography there, but they always would sell these buttons and they'd have the picture of the cars on them. And he used to say that my dad's buttons were the, the biggest selling button at the racetrack. Um, not because he won all the time, but just because he always had a nice looking car. So that's why I kind of pride myself now on having a nice looking car is my dad kind of always instilled that in me. Like you got to have a nice looking car for your fans, for the sponsors, you know? Um, and we try to keep a nice looking car. I mean, like a couple of weeks ago when I wrecked in the dash, you know, the whole right side was tore off the car and I was pretty down in the dumps, you know, thinking, Oh man, this, this car did look nice. And, um, a couple guys told me, they're like, ah, just pound the door out and, you know, it'll be good. And well, the fender that was disintegrated. I, to this day, don't know where that ended up. That probably ended up in the Dick trickle pavilion. I, there was only parts <laughs> of it that we got the quarter panel was all beat. And I'm like, you know, we gotta make this look nice. So ordered a new fender, ordered a new door, patched the quarter panel up and mind you this was right before the fourth of july and i was supposed to have my car in the fourth of july omeral parade we do it every year um 
not only for my sponsors, but, you know, um, my crews in it, you know, we, we make a big deal about it. And the Amarillo Parade is pretty big. So I thought, well, I can't take this thing looking like this. So I, like I said, I ordered a new fender, ordered a new door, um, uh, called up. Actually, the guy that does my vinyl is uh, Eric George from 920 Race Wraps. And uh, Eric was at the track that night. And I'm like, I'm going to need a new half wrap for the side here. And he's like, well, how soon do you need it? Obviously, this is Thursday. The parade, I think it was a Tuesday this year. He's like, all right, well, I'll see what I can do. So his kid, Dylan, who's my little buddy now, you know, I guess he, I don't know the whole story, but I was told that Dylan was harping on grandpa, that dad was on vacation. They went up north for 4th of July that you got to get Brian's car done. So grandpa and Dylan got the wrap done. Grandpa shows up on Monday. I got the fender on it, got the door on it. We just got done mudding the quarter panel. Grandpa shows up Monday, gets my wrap all put on it. I have the car in the Amarillo Parade, and I win the Judge's Choice Award. <laughs> Out of, I don't know how many entries there were for the parade, probably 200 and some. I mean, there's a lot. So, again, I've always kind of prided myself on having a nice-looking car. Um then you know back to how it kind of all started so my dad gets a street stock and we're gonna go racing i've never raced anything before so we work on this car all summer long we get it really nice looking and we're gonna go race at oshkosh with it and i i ran it a couple times in uh, a parking lot across the street <laughs> from where we were working on it just made some laps in the parking lot and and that was the extent of my practice. And we're on our way to the track for the first night we're going to race it. And I remember we just get into Oshkosh. We're maybe like 10 minutes away from the track. And my dad looks over at me and he's like, well, are you nervous? You're not saying much. And I'm like, no, I'm not nervous. Hell, I had no idea what I was in for. I knew I was going to drive a car and that was it. The minute I got strapped in that thing and pulled up to the lineup with the other cars and the engines running, boy, yeah, the old nerves set in. I was pretty nervous. And we go out there, and I have no idea why I was so nervous because I was so slow the water truck was passing me. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, it, I never raced anything, you know, so this is all new to me. And Brought the car home in one piece, and uh, I think I ran maybe like two weeks. And finally, one night, Russ Dietzen comes up to me, which is my crew chief, Jack's dad. And Russ was from Amro, where I was from, and he knew I was from Amro. So Russ comes up to me, and he's like, hey, uh, you want to get some extra practice in? You can come out to my house. I got a track around the pond. And I didn't know to take that as an insult or, uh, you know, I had, I was 16. I didn't know what to think. I'm like, sure. So he's like, bring your car out on such and such a day. So I show up to his house and get the car unloaded. And I go whip some laps around and I come back in. And all of a sudden, here comes this old beat to crap. 
I think it was an F100 Ford truck, standard cab, long box. Ford. Yeah. And uh, Ben Brinkman's in it. There's a name. So Ben Brinkman, very good driver, um, both asphalt and dirt. And old Benny, he's going to show me how to run this thing. So he tells me to get in the passenger seat, and we start whipping laps. And I'm telling you, this old F100, she's wound tight. And I'm in the passenger seat, and I'm looking out the window thinking, I feel like I'm six inches off the ground. That's how hard I felt this thing was rolled over as we're whipping through the corners. <laughs> and he's talking to me on how to work the gas and the brake and, you know, just learning, learning the finesse of it. Not that it's just all pedal or, you know, how to keep roll speed up, all that. <clears throat> so Ben takes me for, I don't know how many laps, but honestly, it was the craziest few laps I'd ever been in. So then we stop, we get out. Ben's like, all right, now you get in and drive and I'll ride in the passenger seat. So I'm making laps in this truck and he's kind of critiquing me and telling me, you know, how to gas, how to brake, you know, when when to, when not to, how to pitch the truck and uh, not only pitch the truck, but pitch it under control. And I don't know how many laps we run, but then we get out, puts me in my car. I go back out, make some laps, felt more comfortable and really whipping the car in there. And then we go out for the next race and uh, made the race and never got lapped. And that was like a huge accomplishment to me because I went from the water truck passing me to, Hey, I can stay on the lead lap now. And then just kind of slowly progressed. And, um, that season it ended kind of short for me because then we started football. So, which is like this time of year, you know, all the kids are starting up fall football and whatnot. So I had to go back to school and football. So I didn't get to race. So then my dad kind of took over racing it the rest of the year. And I remember him calling me. I don't even know where I was. He calls me up and he's like, yeah, I went and raced at Chilton tonight. And I piled the car up and I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know, whatever. He's like, no, I, I piled her up. So he did. So then that was the end of our racing for that year. And then that winter Oshkosh closed the track down. So I'm thinking, well, I don't know. I just started racing and I was kind of liking it, you know, and I was still in high school. So I had baseball in the spring and whatnot. So I knew my racing would be somewhat limited. So my dad worked on the car all that winter and I was never really heavily invested at the time into racing, you know, so I wasn't there helping my dad. I wasn't really learning. Um, you know, like I told you earlier, when we were first putting this car together, I'm running back and forth to the parts store and just, you know, simple stuff. Like I need a U-joint. I had no clue what I was asking for. I'm a 16-year-old kid, you know. They're like, what kind of car is it for? A race car. Well, what kind of race car, you know? So, um, you know, it was it was a quick learning curve for me. And then, like I said, that winter, dad worked on the car, stripped it all down, put a new body on it. And then it was coming up to, you know, I was done with school and baseball, well, school baseball, but then I still had summer league baseball. Um, so I would try to help when I could, um, you know, try to learn, try to help my dad. And he put this thing together and we're going to go race Slinger. So here I am now 
a 17 year old kid and we're going to Slinger and we're going to race the street stock. And that was like 2000, 2001. And back then the Slinger Stingers, they moved around that racetrack. I, I don't know what the times were back then, but they, if I remember right there, like in the low thirteens, they were maybe like two seconds off what a super late was back then. So these street stocks are hauling. And the first thing my dad tells me when we get there is everything's going to happen quick. He's like, everything washes down at Slinger. Pay attention. First race I'm in, I'm probably like three car lengths back. And I don't know, two cars get together. And this one car goes right up through the back stretch wall, through the billboards, comes down across in front of me. And I'm thinking, holy moly, total, we ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I pull the belts a little tighter and I'm thinking, yep, I see what he meant. And uh, we raced there the rest of that summer and, and I did okay, but um, racing for me then was nothing like it is now. Like we didn't know what shocks were in the car. We didn't know what springs Heck, for our scaling, we'd take it to the Plainview truck stop, run it across the truck scale just to make sure we made weight. That was the way we scaled. You know, we didn't know any better. And back when my dad raced, there really, you know, there really wasn't a lot for setup. Guys were just kind of racing cars, you know. And I'm sure there was people back then already that were scaling them off grain scales and whatnot. But not like it is now where everybody's got you know, they're scaling weekly, you know, we're scaling weekly, we're checking angles, we're checking measurements, we're doing all this stuff. Back then, it was just like, dad put me in the car and go run. And, you know, we raced that year, and we made some friends down there. And slowly but surely, some guys were giving us pointers. But I mean, we were, we were so green to racing that uh, my buddy, Omi, Aaron, that still helps me on the car to this day, we would show up and I'd have him running around from pit to pit, getting air from people to fill our air tank. Cause we didn't even have our own air. Like we, we were just showing up to race. We, my dad had this old black cube van that he got from Todd Stapleman. I haven't told you this story yet. So this cube van has been around forever and it was a beautiful cube van in its day when Todd had it it had sleeping quarters in it and it was loud and it was all jet black and it was nice so we got this thing it's got no plates on it okay so we're running from my dad's house in Van Dyne to Slinger every Sunday no plates no registration loud exhaust and we're going and I always had to make Aaron follow me down to Slinger because we always wanted to make sure no cops got behind us. So we go there, we race, do our thing. We come home and back then 41 was all under construction and there's orange barrels out everywhere. My dad, he needed glasses for years and he can't see. We're whipping through these barrels and he'd be asking me, well, how much room do I got on each side? And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, just let me drive. <laughs> and, uh, so that's how our slinger started out. And like I said, had a lot of fun, learned a lot, um, ran decent. I mean, we always had a beautiful car. I remember the first time I brought it out, Todd, the, the announcer down there, he always called it the beautiful blue and silver car. And it was, it was very nice looking car. 
And uh, that's how Slinger started. And then we progressed into uh, at the auction that year, Green Bay auction. My dad used to go to it every year. And he'd buy shit. I'm telling you, they used to take a cube van up there, him and his buddies. And they would buy all this stuff. And this was when I was a kid. And I would go along up there and hang out, whatever. But then when I got older and I started racing and I'd go with my dad, dad would be bidding on all this stuff. And I'm like, what, what are you buying? Like, why, why do we need all this stuff? My dad's attic in his shop. He's got so many parts still with the old tags on them from the auction that he'd just buy all this stuff and got to have it. Well, one year he decides he's going to buy a modified. So he buys this asphalt modified and it was ran at Madison by uh, Luke, the Duke Westenberg. Um, it was purple and yellow and it was made for asphalt and we're going to run it on the dirt because Oshkosh opened back up then. So we tried migrating this car into racing on the dirt and it just never was very good. I mean, you're taking an asphalt car, everything's built low, wasn't really built for the dirt. And again, I sucked. Would spin out all the time. We couldn't get the car to work. Um, Grapes, the track crew was betting on us on when we'd spin out. Well, <laughs> you know, I ended up hearing that through the grapevine, you know, and that kind of, that kind of salted me a little bit, like to the point where I'm going to prove some people wrong. Like, I, I know I can do it. I just, you know, it's like, it's like taking a guy golfing with a bunch of baseball bats. The guy could be a great golfer, but how are you going to golf with a baseball bat? You know? And I just felt like that in racing. Like I, I felt like I could do it, but I didn't have the right equipment. So that's when Bob Sager comes along, which we've yep. talked about yeah, him. I've worked with Bob many years. Yep. So my uncle introduces me to Bob. Bob had been around racing forever. Used to own Gary Rayborn's cars at Kakana. They, they worked together at Kakana. They had a lot of success. Bobby helped out on some sprint cars. So Bobby kind of comes into my life. I'm 20 years old, and Bobby starts really breaking down racing to me. Like, we never knew shocks we were running in cars. We didn't know springs. We didn't know nothing, you know. We just bolted on what we had. Well, then Bobby starts really teaching me, like, Okay, you need this in the, the shocks for this reason. You need these springs. You know, we're going to scale the car. I'd never scaled the car before. Bobby scales a car. It's a six-hour process. I mean, we're checking everything. And slowly but surely, when Bobby started helping me, I got better and better and better. And all of a sudden, this other car comes along. It was an old dirt works car. And... Bobby was adamant that I buy it. And I spent like every dime I had in the bank to buy this old Dirtworks car. And at the time, Dirtworks were kind of the hot car. So I buy this car, get it home. We strip it all down. And uh, Bobby starts having my dad cut bars out of it, re-welding different mounts in it. And I'm like, holy cow, what is going on? Like, I just spent all my money and we're cutting this thing apart. <laughs> so... We end up getting this car fixed up, redid it all throughout the winter, and it was a beautiful car. Um, went out and raced, 
and did pretty well with it. And at Oshkosh at the time, you had Brian Mullen, Scott Mullen, Brad Roloff. I mean, you had a lot of pretty big name mod guys that were running at Oshkosh at the time. So just to make the feature was a big deal. And then we, we were making the features and then we started running, you know, respectable on the lead lap. I think my best ever finish was like a seventh, but that was like, we, it was like we won the feature that night. I mean, we, we were always underfunded. We were, you know, didn't have big motors, like all them guys back then it was open motor stuff. Not like the mods nowadays where everybody's kind of on a crate back then it was big motors alcohol everybody's running i'm running a 355 on race fuel so we're way under horsepowered didn't have the technology that everybody had but we ran okay but i learned a lot i learned how to take care of a car bobby taught me you know shocks springs you know what panard bar adjustments to what wedge does you know just taught me a lot of stuff well then I ran that for a couple of years. And like I said, we did okay, but I realized that for me to really have success, I either got to find a bunch of money or I got to get into a division that I can afford and is in my wheelhouse. So the Grand Nationals at Oshkosh were really kind of taken off and they, they spiked my interest. You know, they were cool-looking cars. They looked like an asphalt car at the time. Um, the Grand Nationals back then were very low-key, you know. a lot there was of, a ton of them. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of them back then. Um, you know, Terry Van Roy, I became good friends with him through racing there. And I, I had spiked some interest in getting one, and I was going to buy a car from Tim Doling. And it fell through. Um, I don't really even remember how or why it fell through that I didn't buy it. And Tim Doling was one of the very, very good guys at Oshkosh at the time in a Grand National. So Tim called me up in the spring and he's like, you still interested in doing a Grand National? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I still have that other car you were going to buy. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't afford it right now. whatnot. He's like, well, how about you just run it? I'm like, I've never really raced a car for anybody. You know, I don't know. What are the ins and the outs? What if I wreck it? What if this? Don't worry about it. He's like, just just run it. Okay. So I showed up. He fitted me in it. We went out and ran. All I had to do was get the car to the track, and he took care of everything else. And he was racing too, but he was trying to get more cars out there as well, and he had this other car. So, um, you know, Tim really helped me get started in the grand nationals. And that's really where my racing career, I would say really kind of peaked because I was now in a division that I could afford. Um, I learned a lot from Tim, um, from building motors. I mean, I mean, for the first probably two, three years of my grand national career, Tim Doling and I built the motors ourselves, right. in Tim shop, nothing special, won a handful of races. I mean, finished second in points, I think three years in a row. Um, in the meantime, we started building our own car because I ran that car for Tim for one season. And in the meantime, I was building my own. And uh, we built that car from the ground up. 
my dad, Aaron, and myself from a fair frame, stripped it, went to Rander car, got a cage kit, welded that up, put it on. And that car right out of the gate, I got it done like right at the end of the year. And we thought, well, let's take it out for one night, end of the year. Let's just shake it down, make sure everything's good. The radiator zip tied in. I mean, there was some stuff that <laughs> it wasn't really totally done yet, but I just was going to go out there just to shake it down. Next thing you know, I'm running second in the feature. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I never ran at the front. I had no experience racing at the front. You know, like I said, my best finish in a mod ever was seventh. And here I am potentially going to, you know, battle for the win in the feature the first night out with this car. And I think I ended up finishing third that night. And uh, we went, you know, in the off season, in the winter, we made a couple changes on it, did some stuff. Um, again, Tim did my motors for me and we went out and raced. And I think that was 2007 was my first year in my own car and, uh, won a feature that year. And then just progressively stayed with the grand nationals and got better and better and learned more. And a lot of what Bobby taught me in the mods, I was able to basically trickle a lot of that information into the grand national, which I felt really helped me because when that, you know, when that track would go dry slick, that car was pretty much the car to beat. And at Oshkosh, the track traditionally would go dry. And uh, we won a handful of features with that car. And, you know, then, uh, you know, now I'm probably early 20s at this point now. And, just uh, stuck with the Grand Nationals for probably seven, eight years, something like that. Was fortunate to win a handful of races, you know, championship. And uh, then we decided we were going to make a change, which we did. Fortunately, at the right time, the track was closing. Um, we, we bought a race tech. I was looking to switch to asphalt for quite some time. So when I built my newest Grand National, it was a race tech. And we built it in Joe's shop in Berlin when he was still in Berlin. I'd go over there on Saturdays, Sundays, work on this car. Joe would kind of show us, you know, the ropes, let us dumb guys. Here, bolt this on, you know, move this, do that, whatever. Joe would do the meticulous stuff and whatever. But I'd always see these asphalt late models sitting there and it they just always trip my trigger, you know. And I thought someday I'd like to try that. And uh Joe's been a personal friend of mine for a long time. Um he was in my wedding, I was in his wedding. So we have more of a friendship outside of racing, even. So when I was gonna do an asphalt car, the only car I could think of was to do a race tech. I mean, one. Joe's one of my best friends. He's going to guide me in the right direction. So we're shopping around for cars, you know, and I'd find a old left-hander on the internet or I'd find a old Rander car or something. He's like, no, 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 you don't want that. So we probably went back and forth for probably two years before I got a car. And he called me up and he's like, I think I found you a car. And 
it was Jay Herp's car out of lacrosse. And Jay was a big race tech guy, bought, uh, I don't even know how many cars through Joe and he'd kind of turn them around. He'd get a new one. Joe would end up helping him sell the other one. So that's how I got the car. And that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at now. You, uh, you went CWR racing for a little bit. Tell, tell us uh, about your experience with that. So once we got the car built, um, trying to think we we were building it originally to race kakana and we were going to go race as a late model and the kakana was kind of up in the air on rules of engine packages and the guy that built my dirt motors we were kind of all in we were going to build a spec motor well at the time the rumor was going around that maybe kakana was going to go away from a spec motor this and that so we were kind of pumping the brakes on going to race kakana um with my grand national motor stuff that i had it was very easy to convert a lot of my stuff over to race i guess what they call now like the big eight motors so with not a lot of money having to spend to upgrade my grand national motor to run as a big eight we were able to make that transition well then frank nitsky was who's also a race tech car he knew that i got a car and he was kind of prodding and probing at me like hey come race cwra you know they're trying to build the car count back up and um i really liked the rules that were presented um i i really thought they had a good thing going um then i fell out of a tree bow hunting broke my leg and pretty much couldn't race for a whole year um actually i didn't walk for i broke it in november and i don't think i started walking until june i had like three surgeries so that delayed my racing and then like i said we we did the cwra thing we were kind of all in at that point to do that route and uh did that for two years and the first year we we did okay we had decent success um ran competitive learned a lot of different tracks um good or bad like i've told you before what was hard for a guy like me who had never done this before is we're trying to learn the car learn changes and then you throw on top of it going to all these different tracks you know we're at dells we're at plover we're at marshfield we're at toma we're at wausau and it was just like so overwhelming like i'm just trying to figure out what time I even need to be to a driver's meeting, let alone, <laughs> you know, what springs I need, how much sway bar to put in. And I mean, we were just so overwhelmed. And then the second year we did it, I started finding out, you know, that guys are doing some stuff to tires and soaking them and which was totally against the rules and totally against what CWRA was trying to do with the recap tire. That kind of drove me away a little bit. Like I just thought to myself, I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm not going to do it. Even though like three quarters of the field were doing it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'll go race 45 minutes from my house. I'll buy my one tire a night, keep the other three in the shed. And you don't have to worry about the monkey business with people fudging tires and we'll race there. So that's my CWRA days and how we ended up at Kakana. 
kind of a big shift though. You went to dirt to asphalt and now you're traveling all the time and now you're going to be at what I think and have heard is one of the most difficult and most characteristic tracks out there with all the bumps and all that. Uh, so tell, tell about that transition coming over here. So the dirt has really helped me just in general of being, I think a good racer. Um, you know, on the dirt, you really have to conserve your stuff. Um, you got to maintain the tires you have. You got to search on the track for the grip. So there's a lot of stuff with the dirt racing that does correlate to asphalt. Um, and truthfully, we ran basically an asphalt setup in our Grand Nationals, which is really hard to believe. Um, the race tech cars that were out there were usually some of the front runners um you know if not the feature winners quite quite a bit running asphalt basically setups joel really was on to something there um but yeah the transition from cwra then i go to kakana and it's it's a big pill to swallow i mean yeah i ran marshfield and we i did good at marshfield that was probably my best track out of all the cwra tracks we ran at um, but they call it a half mile, but it's nothing like what Kakana's half mile is. I mean, Kakana is so fast, so characteristic of you come out of turn four and you're literally pointed at the wall, like thinking I'm driving right into this thing. And you come out of turn two and the groove is to get close to the wall. And I'm thinking, man, I... I can't do this, you know, and I, I knew I could do it, but to run the right line, I, I was worried I was going to struggle with it a little bit. And we went out and tested before the season started. And, uh, Joe was there with me, a couple other people that had been around Kakana quite a bit were with me. And they said, I can't believe how quick you adjusted to the line. I didn't really know any different. I was just trying to run. and had a crash course on where to run and how to run and, you know, break points and lift points. And, um, I just never could get comfortable with the whole thing coming out of turn two of letting the car drift to the wall. And Terry Baldry, who, um, is one of my idols from my hometown. Um, I talked to Terry quite a bit when I see him in the pits. And I said to Terry one night, I said, Terry, I said, what, what do I got to do to get around this place? And I told him I'm struggling coming out of turn two. Now this is Terry Baldry, the man at Kakana. Yeah. Legend. And Terry says, boy, coming out of turn two, he's like, that's a rough one. He's like, it's just going to take time. It's just going to take time. And, uh, you know, Terry's given me a handful of pointers through the years. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I walked up to Terry. He's sitting there on the picnic table. All the old guys, they hang out by the picnic table <laughs> before the races start. And, uh, you know, they have like their coffee clutch, you know, and it's Steve Geezy and Terry Baldry and um, Dietzen. And, uh, oh, man, there's a, there's a handful of them old guys that are down there. And I like going over talking with them. And uh, the guy that does my carburetors, uh, Al Galecki, he, he's usually down there too. And Al, I hadn't seen him in the pits for a while, you know, so I'm like, wow, 
I got to find somebody. I want to just double check what my spark plugs look like. And I'm like, Terry Baldry, he's the one to ask. So I go over there and Terry's got his old smoke hanging out, you know, and I'm like, Terry, you want to check my plugs out? And he's looking at it, you know, and he's looking at it real close and he's telling me, you know, what I should be looking for. And he's like, yeah, I think you're pretty good. I'm like, Hey, Terry Baldry says they look good. They look good. So, um, like I said, I mean, coming to Kakana, yes, it's a very big transition. I mean, I've heard rumors that guys say Kyle Bush, that when he's coming around there, he says Kakana is one of the hardest places to get around. Kyle Bush has been everywhere. Phenomenal driver. And if he says Kakana is hard to get around. Well, Pollard just said a drunk is the one who... <laughs> who built the race yeah culture, so. yeah i heard that too i mean some of these guys that come for the dixieland i mean they find out that kakon is a hard place to get around i mean there's so much character you got you got bumps and you got dips and you got the bump in turn one and you know for a new driver coming in like myself it's such a uh I don't even know how to word it, but there's so much to take in, like so much information that you're trying to gather. And I think this is what our third year running there now. And I feel like I'm more comfortable with the place, but there's still so much stuff that you learn from week to week on, um, you know, for example, this past Thursday in the dash, Brandon Reichenberger, who was, um, He's family of mine. He's my wife's cousin. We start the front row. Okay. I'm on the inside. He's on the outside. And I know Brandon very well. And I, and he's a great driver, but he's a gamer. And I'm like, all right, I got to beat him to the punch on the start. Cause I know he's always got something up his sleeve. And, uh, we come into turn one and I'm like, Oh, he's crowding me a little bit. Well, I knew exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to get me into the bump. So after the race is over, he comes over by me and he's like, Hey, did I give you enough room going into one? And I'm like, ah, you pinched me a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I was trying to get you to the bump. And I, you know, so it's just little stuff like that, that you learn as, as you race there and the veteran drivers that have been around for a long time, um, you know, your JVOs, um, you know, I've watched JVO race for a long, long time. And in my opinion, he's still one of the best getting around that place. And, uh, you know, he's given me pointers through the years as well. Um, one of the first, I think it was my very first year I raced there. Jeff walked me around the track one night and kind of showed me like, Hey, this is where you want to run. You know, this is what you want to watch for when you get to the porta potty in three and four, this is where you want to be on the gas. We I, I mean, porta potty. We know that's you know, just stupid stuff like that, but yeah. stuff that, you know, a, a veteran racer, they do, you know, like they know, like if my car's good, this is where I got to be on the throttle. Um, so all that stuff that people talk about is so realistic. Like, People in the grandstands don't understand it. They they look and they see the racetrack, and that's all they see. But you get out there on the track, and especially, like, let's say when they have, like, the big wheel races or something where the people out of the grandstands can come down and actually walk on the track, and they're like, wow, that thing's really rough. 
like yeah it it is it's it's got character i mean and that's part of what makes racing at kakana in my opinion one of the most fun tracks to race at is it is it is so characteristic and you know it's every night you learn something every night and it could be where you put your car it could be how your car handled the bump it could be what your car did down the back straight you know the back straight at kakana you get up a little bit high close to the wall and there's actually like off camber so it kind of wants to suck the car to the wall well that's pretty eerie feeling and if you're not comfortable with that you're not going to run up high because you feel like it's sucking into the wall. Yeah, we just did a walk uh, a couple of weeks ago, Lauren and I went on, did a little tour around there. So we know what you're talking about, where there's some places that are on the track that are crooked or whatever. Hey, what's your future, man? We know you got a dirt car still sitting in the weeds. And you ever think about going back dirt or what? what's your plans? Where are you going now with so, your future, man? So I've got my Grand National the original still sitting at home um we actually raced it uh chase solomon's been running it for me he helps me on my car he's kind of been my fill-in crew chief while jack's back at school jack is you know my full-time crew chief but he had to go back to platteville and he's playing the foosball again this year so jack's gone and uh chase has stepped in and you know now chase wins in his first night so there's all this hubbub back and <laughs> forth with them too, you know? Um, but yeah, um, we got the grand national. We ran it earlier this year at the Terry Van Roy Memorial. I was actually going to race the car for Terry's race. Um, just cause Terry was a good friend of mine and I like to have the car tip top shape, you know, and it wasn't tip top shape. Chase, he'll jump in anything and run it. I mean, that kid, he he's a great driver. He, he went up to Eagle River last year. We just dug the car out of the weeds, literally. Put a motor in it. Old motor I had sitting under the bench from back when I raced Grand National. So it had been sitting there for probably at least five years. And uh, he goes up to Eagle River, and he wins the 2200 to win race. I didn't believe he won it. He's calling me, yeah, I won, you know, blah, blah, blah. And thinking, no way. Sure enough, he wins it. And uh, so, yes, we have the dirt car. I may dabble in it a little bit here and there. The plan is this winter, we'd like to really strip the whole car down and go through it because it, you know, I built that car in 2006 and uh, it's had a hard life. So it needs a little bit of refurbing. Um, obviously it still can get around the track. Um, you know, Chase likes running the dirt. So I let him run it here and there. We, we, you know, we originally last year, I told those guys that all helped me on the car. I said, I got this car. I got everything for it. I said, why don't you guys put it together and we'll take it to Kakana and we'll run practice or, you know, just kind of play around. Like I wanted Jack to try it. Jack's never driven a stick shift. So you want to see something comical? He can snub it on the jack stands. <laughs> it is hilarious. So, you know, I kind of like to do some stuff with that with it. I still have another race tech 
chassis in my shop uh, that I bought from Bobby Kendall. Um, we've bounced around ideas back and forth about putting it together as a 602 Outlaw car. I like that division. Um, actually, I've I've bought all the suspension components to run for the 602. I've got a whole body for it. Um, we bounced that idea around. Now I think we're kind of going to back burner that 602 idea. And Jack really has a lot of aspirations to run the Tundra series. Um, he's actually to the point where he's started putting numbers together on what it would cost to run the Tundra for a year. And we might put that car together as a Tundra car. We've talked to Tucker Miller about putting a five, three together. One of his five threes. Um, I like his engine package that he's got for that. Plus it would still allow us to run some other stuff besides just Tundra. Um, but probably the most current plan I have with that car is to take my big eight motor. Uh, I talked to Terry already about switching it out and making a WIR spec motor and, uh, kind of put it together as a second WIR car. And, um, if we needed it, we'd have it. Um, I could run my current car with the crate motor in the Tundra series then. Um, obviously some of the tracks we will definitely be out horse powered with the crate motor, but I talked to Matt Panier quite a bit about it. And, uh, he tells me for the, mo you know, a lot of the tracks, the crate motor will be fine. Obviously WIR, you're going to be hurting. You know, that's usually their first Tundra race and Great Lakes testing. Who's one of my biggest sponsors. They've been with me since 2008. They sponsor that Tundra race for the last couple of years. They've done it. Um, so it'd be cool for me to be a part of that race. Um, typically we always have the car there anyhow on display for all their workers and customers to see, but, um, it'd be kind of nice to run with them. So more than likely though, um, We'll be right back at Kakana, Mark, um, with the cooler open for you on Thursday <laughs> we'll night. So we'll stay can, as late as we can. So you can come down and have some on. beverages. Um, I, you know, I really enjoy Kakana. I, I love, you know, I've made a lot of friends at Kakana. Um, you know, we, my wife has become friends with a lot of the other wives down there. Um, Rowdy Audi's crew and myself, we've all become good friends. We help each other out a lot. We share the same spotter. Jesse and I are wired a lot alike. We drive a lot alike. So, uh, Paul spots for the both of us. Um, it, it, it'd be, it'd be hard for me to step away from Kakana and not race somewhere or it'd be hard for me to step away from Kakana and race somewhere else. The hard part for me is I got three boys um, who are involved in a lot of stuff. Obviously, my two older ones are in baseball in the summer. And if you ask either one of them, do you want to go to baseball or do you want to go to Kakana? They're going to Kakana. And part of my thing is um, I want them still to be kids. You know, you can race forever. You know, you can race to, as I mean, life is a race. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's my bottom. It, it, 
I just, I don't want them to only think racing. You know, I want there to be other stuff. And I know right now, like, especially with Camden, obviously he's here with us right now and uh, been a trooper through this whole thing, <laughs> but it's because it's racing. I mean, we're here in your man cave and he's just in awe at all your race car stuff. Yeah. And the kids eat, sleep and breathe racing. Like if you come to my house, there's matchbox cars everywhere. They got races going on over here. We got races over there. We got races outside. I mean, there's stuff all over. They're they're running around my backyard on their four wheelers, and they got checkered flags going. And they, I mean, they're doing the national anthem. And I mean, Madden's got the bumblebee car. Yep. I mean, they got they got stuff going on, and it's all about racing, which is cool. But I don't want them to lose being a kid. So. When I put my car up for sale a couple of weeks ago, people are like hitting the panic button, like, oh, you're done. What are you going to do? This and that, you know? And I'm like, well, I still have another car. I, I have another asphalt car. Um, I have a dirt car. So I'm not going to be done racing. And if the car sold, I, you know, like I've told you, I'd, I'd entertain the idea of maybe doing a Midwest truck. Their schedule is a little more fluid where I feel like, it would let me still do their stuff and race. It would be hard to give up Kakana. And actually, when we talked about this, my wife even said, she's like, well, I feel like we'd, we'd lose a lot of the friends we'd gained because we've made a lot of friends from being there on Thursdays. And, you know, like for my wife and my kids, um, they come to every race and I mean, they can probably tell you more so of what goes on during a race than I can because they talk to everybody. They're mingling through the pits, you know, so they've built a lot of friends and it'd be hard to pull them out of that. So family. correct. I can absolutely relate to that. Um, hey, speaking of uh, Camden here, you guys are racing quite a bit up at uh, little buckaroo and, other places and i hear it's going quite well yep every friday night we uh we go up to um cecil little buckaroo they have a great program um camden runs in what they call the kid cart division which is ages five to seven um he's been doing that a couple years now um he uh he's winning everything up there too huh? yeah he wins quite a bit <laughs> to the point they're yeah, he wins more than me. Um, yeah, that too. He, he got a lot of his own sponsors this year, which, you know, I, you know, we have, uh, I have a racing account. Okay. So like I try to keep racing money, racing money. So winning sponsor money, this and that try to, obviously with racing, it's expensive. So a lot of money still comes out of my own pocket, but a lot of my same sponsors I put on his cart and I've told all my sponsors, you know, it, like Carly from great lakes testing, you know, I told her, I said, he needs to talk to you. Like, you're not just going to give him money. Like he needs to talk to you because I want him to learn. And he put a video together and put it out on Facebook before the beginning of the year. Um, and we, we went for people that we know, um, you know, but I want him to learn like this, you know, it doesn't come free. Like people don't just hand you money 
for sponsorship, like you gotta you gotta put yourself out there for them. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's right. The the people that have sponsored him, they're getting way more bang for their buck than I am <laughs> because their names are announced. I think he won seventeen races already this year. Twenty one. Twenty one. There who's you go. Called, right? Yeah, who's counting? <laughs> he is. So he's moving up though. We're gonna move him up into a big cart. Um we're working on it now. Actually, the seat just came in the mail today and probably within, I would say the next probably two weeks, he'll be in his big cart. So he'll be moving up a division. And then my youngest one is going to make his debut, uh, in the kid carts, uh, September 15th. And then, you know, we also take my nephews. I got my two nephews. Um, we haul six carts to the track every Friday night. (laughs) So, I got my two kids, my two nephews, and then uh, Brandon Reichenberger, Chase Solomon, and myself, we all pooled in money together and took this old cart my dad had. We don't even know what kind it is. We don't know how old it is. Dug it out of the weeds, bought a motor, bought some tires, and Brandon and Chase have been switching off, running it up there in the senior sportsman class. And then Chase's girlfriend, Kaylee, races up there too. So, yeah, we wheel in with six carts and uh, keeps me very busy. We'll put it that way. (laughs) Well, hey, man, I think that's a a good place to end it. I I think we could go a lot longer and have a lot to talk about. That just means that we'll have to have you on again at some point. And um, congratulations on the great blue race win there. Uh, Happy to see that the kids are having success and having some fun racing too. And it's, I like the family atmosphere that when you walk into a pit, it's all family things. I know you have things planned for kids coming up here too. So everyone's here to uh, look out for that. And yeah, we, we just appreciate it, man. Like I told you earlier, you know, I, I love kids. I, I love having them involved in the racing. And in my opinion, you know, the only way the future is going to succeed in racing is to get kids involved. So for sure, you know, you look at, you look at the whole gamut of racing and I don't even know what the percentage is. If, if I had to guess, I'm going to say 90% of any race car driver that you go to at the track, um, they probably have some involvement with racing is how they got into it. Okay. So you hear these kids come out of the grandstands and we're, we're signing their cards at the end of the night or their flags. And you hear, oh, it's my first time here. And I typically reply, do you have fun? You're going to come back again? You know, and you got to get the kids in the pits. We got to get them to come back. Um, you know, kids don't get the exposure to racing unless they're physically there. They need to hear it. They need to smell it. They need to see it. They need to be directly a part of it. You know, I remember being a kid sitting in a race car, and I swear I can tell you how that smell was. Like just being in the cockpit of smelling the exhaust still there and the rubber and, um, you know, just, I, I can remember that, you know, how, what it's like. And asphalt cars have a way more distinct smell than dirt cars. Okay. Cause dirt cars, they're wide open, you know, you're, and you're in the dirt where the asphalt cars, you got the tire smell, you got the exhaust, you know, and you got an enclosed cockpit. So that smell kind of lingers in there. And like I said, I mean, the kids are what 
every every one of us race drivers need to do is try to get more kids involved and whether that's letting them sit in your car at the end of the night um taking time just to you know i let kids like i was telling you the other night on the phone there's kids taking my tires on and off and <laughs> you know makes me cringe a little bit because <laughs> matter of fact last night we're doing the checks and we're sunny goes well this tire wasn't even tight and i said well that's because the kids were putting the tires on and off. So we got some stuff coming up. Like I told you, I, I'm building a little uh, tire changing machine thing. We're going to we're gonna have a hub there and we're going to let the kids be able to play with it. So it's a little safer. It's not on the car. They don't have to jack it up. And, uh, you know, we'll try to get them involved. Um, I, I just think that, like even your little guy, you know, our goal is to get him to sit in my car before the season's over and he's, he's, gotten, time. he's gotten closer. He's gotten closer though. I mean, we, we made some steps, but I think we'll get there, but yeah, it's it definitely is a family atmosphere down there. And uh, I think we need to keep it that way and get more kids involved. And, you know, if anybody's listening on here that, you know, you have kids that are interested in go-karting, um, put a plug in for little buckaroo. They, they have uh kid cart rentals. So between the age of five and seven, if you're interested, um, for 50 bucks, you can rent one of their carts. All you got to do is show up with your helmet and, uh, Brian will get you set up with a cart. Um, like I told you, Lauren, great way to find out if your kid's interested in becoming a racer. And the other thing is, I mean, there's always drivers looking for help always i mean um tara and tim uh spring strolls from showtime stitching they're big supporters of camden and they help us out too with our gear and uh i know they're always looking for help tara is always putting posts out on facebook so um you know if there's anybody that's interested in you know just hang out in the pits you know see if see if you like it see you know um it, there, it's, it's easy to get hooked. It is very easy to get hooked. And, <laughs> and like I said, I mean, every one of us race drivers, we're all getting older. And the the only way racing is going to succeed is to have Absolutely. kids get involved. Next generation. And you know, you look you come up to Little Buckaroo, like I've been trying to tell you guys, and the kids up there, the, there are kids up there that can wheel carts i mean phenomenal kart racers and it, a lot of them do go on to race dirt modifieds you know i mean ty majeski he was a cool carter he went up to gsr i guess a couple weeks ago when they were in town and did a little spiel and i think even sponsored the night um so there are there are several guys that have gone through kart racing and become racers but there again the only way they get into racing is they have to have some affiliation of it. And, you know, it takes a lot of money to run the cars that we're running now. So you lose, some, you lose some of the kids because they, they can't afford it. They don't have the, you know, they don't have the backing. They don't have the time, whatever it might take. Um, but again, you know, if, if you want to get involved with it, there are several ways that, you can get involved. I mean, guys are always looking for help. 
I know uh, Ben Rhodes came from Cardi too. We went down to uh, St. Louis a few years back, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he talked about racing carts against Ty. I know Satori says Manders always posted about their, yep. their carting uh, too. Uh, Brandon Reichenberger was a big carter. Sawyer was a big yep, carter. Um, you, you know, it's a good way to get started. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to steer everybody into you got to go out and get a go kart type thing. But if if you really, th- this is just another way of showing that you got to get the kids involved. Yep. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying the only way to get a, a person to be able to race is you got to get them started at a super young age and get them into carts and so on and so forth. But you got to get the kids in the pits. You, you know, yet. All these drivers, we all got pictures, we all got candy, we got stuff to give you to the, the kids. Best candy. Yeah. yeah, that's courtesy of my aunt. My aunt is <laughs> my aunt has always I, been I've been elbowing kids out of the way to get some of the peanut butter. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago she <laughs> put out she put out some Reese's and oh my gosh, I thought there was gonna be a fight at the back of the car. There was so <laughs> many, yeah, there were so many people <laughs> fighting over them, but yeah, my aunt and uh, my mom, my sister, a lot of times they take care of the candy. Um, so I can't take credit for that. Um, my pictures, uh, actually Brandon Reichenberger does my pictures that I give out to the kids. So he designs them all and then we just print them. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's several things for kids to do in the pits. I know, uh, um, who is it, Camden, that you guys always get the urban air passes from? 24. Uh, yeah, Nick Van. Nick Van's always giving out urban air passes. I mean, there's so much stuff that the drivers try to do to get the kids down there. And I understand some nights it gets late, whatnot. But if, you know, if you're a parent and you, you have a kid and they want to show interest in it, um, try to, you know, try to keep bringing them. Try to, you know, get them involved. Uh you know, go, go see the guys working on the cars. Um, there's so much behind the scenes stuff that people are willing to show you or open the door to, um, you know, like your little guy, it's like, you want to sit in the car, you want to take a tire off, you, you know, take a rim home. Yeah. Take a rim home. Um, (laughs) what'd you ever do with that rim? Yeah. I well, just like Mark here, I'm trying to build up my man cave. Uh, right now, it's in the garage, but it's signed by you, and the signature is beautiful, and it's Ooh. clean, and it's just waiting for a uh, uh, home sure. right now. So know, maybe uh, we'll redo the kids' bedroom over the fall, and maybe it'll find its way in there. You know, and I I know every kid ends up with a favorite driver, and you know that's always cool to see too who they're cheering for. If you talk to Camden right now and you ask him, he's going to say Rowdy Audi's his favorite driver. How that ever happened, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, in but, that race. Uh, for that race? He, he's a big Rowdy Audi fan, and <laughs> Jesse's always good with the kids, too. And yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff that goes on in the pits that um, is really – you know, it's kid-friendly, I would say. I mean, we try in my pit, at least, we try to always have – a good time for the kids and um yeah what else you got mark i'm uh yeah i, I agree with you 100 the, the children is 
is the future of racing. Absolutely. You know, even a big kid like me down in the racetrack, you know, <laughs> I still am like a kid in a candy store. The smells, you know, of a hot race car. Like oh, you yeah. said, an asphalt car, how it smells. I just like, when I see Luke Penhouse when he won at the Dells the other night, standing in winter circles, it just comes pulling up and just like, oh, you don't smell something like that in January. No. Huh? Gear lube. Oh, that's the best part. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a smell you can't forget. Uh -huh. So if you ever need your oil change, you give me a call. I'll come on over. I'll get full of it. Camden wants to tell you. Yeah, so let's hear the sponsors, yeah, buddy. The sponsors. Who who you got sponsors? Who moves this down? Do you need help with it? No, I don't think so. So don't forget anybody. Who do you got that one? Cook. Cook Racing. What's this one? Ryan Tops. Tops House. Boys Concrete. Still Time Stitching. Egan Family Farm. Okay, talk louder. Schuster overhead door. Black eyes using flowers. Brooklyn Coven. Bowler's Edge. Extra towing. Grandma and Grandpa. Good job, buddy. That's a pretty good list. Yep, those are all Camden sponsors. Like you I said, they're all plastered for sponsors. I got 12 sponsors. He's got 24. So we, uh, I'm catching up. Yeah, so we we made this. Ken Sports is going to sponsor me. Yep, Ken Sports helps him out too. Jay, Jay uh, Vanderloop so helps him out 13. quite a bit. Um, Jay's kind of helped, helped us out. Uh, since we started this go-karting thing, um, so we thank Jay too. So, yeah, my sponsors, which some are also his as well, um, Great Lakes Testing. We've had them, like I said, for a long time. Um, Scott and his wife, Martha, and their daughter, Carly, they've been really good friends of mine. Uh, Shipping Containers Unlimited. He was a new one, cup, I think, I think he's been on with me for a couple of years now. He does all the portable containers and whatnot. Uh, Always Concrete, Fox House Bar and Grill. Um, great place to eat at. That's where we were going to have this powwow tonight. And we were. Uh, Fox Valley Dustless Blasting, uh, Arrowhead Egg Pioneer Seed. That's uh, one of my crew guys, Sonny. That's his business. Kennedy Farms, uh, first robotic dairy in Wisconsin. Well, um, also a little um, trivia question. The Bachelorette was held there. Really? Yep. A few years back, they did an episode of The Bachelorette at Kennedy Farms. Huh. A lot of nice looking girls out there that show. We'll call them calls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one I actually forgot in our interview the other day. And um, I don't know how I forgot it because I love it. Uh, little Orbits Donuts. Um, obviously, Race Tech, uh, 920 wraps and shirts, 
uh, Eric George, Dan George, Dylan George, those guys have, I mean, they made my car look beautiful. Um, JSD designed it and then 920 did, did the wrap and they've really kept the yeah, car. Yeah, 920 did my wrap too. And yep. I did put it on there. Yep, 920 did yours Jeez. too. That's a uh, hamburger Dan George. Yep. Racer. Yep. Um, it's, it's, um, uh, it's really nice having them. Um, Dan, Eric, they're always down in the pits afterwards. So they kind of, they, they do their patrol, I call it, through <laughs> the pits. And they look at all their cars and they take a mental note while having some cocktails and uh, they see what they need to make for stickers the next day. <laughs> so that's really cool because um, on us two Thursdays ago, he had to put the stickers on that on the 49. Um, I got all seasons, quality heating and cooling. Uh, Terry Proctor, he, uh, he came on board this year. Uh, the 308s band, very good band, good friend of mine. Um, they, uh, they like their racing. Omro Building Center, Viking Electric, Schaefer's Oil, uh, Showtime Stitching. Like I said, Tim and Tara have helped us out a lot with our, we got hats, we got shirts, sweatshirts. Um, Tank tops. You know, they've, they've done pretty much all of our gear. And, uh. Did a really good job with it. I think, I don't know, this would be a trivia question, but I think Camden's stuff that they did for him last year might have been the first stuff they did for a racer. Because they were just kind of getting started with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they did Landon. They did all his shirts and his hats for him. So they were they were really his first ever sponsor. So Tim and Tara, we thank them a lot. Uh, Wisco Vibes, that's that's uh, Jason. He uh, did the design of my car. Expert Towing, uh, Gary's Home Improvements, Mida Savashkash, MGD Industrial. That's who we get all our bolts, nuts, fasteners. They're right there in Kakana. Uh, Mercury Racing and uh, On Time Machining. That's actually Jack's dad's place. Um, he's also a sponsor on Camden's too. That's a heck of a list, man. Yeah, well, you got to have them all. You got to have them all to make this operation go because it's not cheap. And uh, you know, all these sponsors, um, they all contribute in a different way. I mean, some of some of them, um, some of them contribute with just you know helping us out with materials. Um, some of them obviously are monetary sponsors. Um, some are, you know, Fox Valley dust is blasting. He blasted his chassis for him. Um, you know, so everybody helps out in a different way. And that's what I always say about sponsors is people get shy, like not shy, but they get nervous. Like, Oh, I, I can't give you that much money. It's like, well, it's not, I mean, I got sponsors on my car that give us, you know, 150 bucks. I, ch I try to get each sponsor to cover at least a tire and what the sticker will cost. Um, but, you know, a lot of guys, you don't, if you want to sponsor a car, all you got to do is really ask and they'll figure out a way to get you on there. Um, we did pick up a new sponsor for this next year. So I kind of committed to coming back to Kakana. We got... Tim from the Corp. So um, 
he approached us last week and said he'd like to do something with us for next year. So I think that'll be another one we'll add to the list. Seems like a good guy. I uh, I agree. Yeah, he's actually uh, going to come on board for us too. So that's kind of what he mentioned that, uh, you know, I've told you guys, I love what you do. I've listened to you guys all the time when I'm driving in my truck, um, plug in your podcast or when I'm mowing lawn, I'll fire it up pushing for you guys to do two episodes, you know, <laughs> so you got, you got the local boys and then you can maybe do the, the NASCAR guys separate or whatever, but yes. Um, I think you guys do an awesome job with what you do and, uh, keep doing it. Thank you. Well, we can't do it out with, uh, with all drivers, teams, families like yours. Um, that's the goal to eventually, uh, make a podcast every day. Yeah, every day yeah. uh that would be that would be at the ultimate goal but uh we gotta, i think we need to find a few more sponsors i uh maybe you can hand me over that list and we can yeah, start there yeah well <laughs> you you got to get the podcast like we talked about or get some of the wives yes you need to sit down with some of the wives mm -hmm. or girlfriends or whatever and uh get some get some of their feedback because i you know all of us racers, we, we do our thing, but without our wives, significant others, I mean, like in my situation, I mean, my wife is, uh, told you earlier, she's kind of succumbed to having boys and yeah. racing is going to be a part of her life type thing. So, um, you know, hearing their side of the story sometimes is pretty interesting. Um, Mark has actually uh, brought that up, and I have agreed with him and what you're saying here. Um, it hasn't come to fruition just yet, but I think talking with your wife the other night, I think there's an opportunity with a different group that we yeah. just haven't talked to yet. Yeah, I finally, you know, so. just throwing it off the cuff. I, you know, I'm just thinking about some of the wives that are down there a lot. You know, Jordan Thiel's wife, Mallory, she's down there a lot. My wife, it's a big uh, sacrifice. Brandon's wife. Um, you know, there's, I'm just trying to think of some of the guys that, that I know that their wives are around. Um, I know Brazen's wife, she, Jesse's, Jesse's wife. Mm -hmm. um, I think you could, could come up with some, uh, I stuttered there for a little bit. Did you, you, right? you got, got me one too many Coors lights here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have to record two separate episodes. So. <laughs> The other one's out in cyberspace somewhere, but yeah, we did. Yeah. So, hey, good well, luck tomorrow, man. Yeah, good luck tomorrow. Congratulations on yeah. the blue race win, Camden. Great to see that you're having success. Uh, We're gonna come up and see you run too. Excited to see Madden make his debut on the fifteenth yep. too. Madden so, is very excited for that. Yeah. Just, and before you know it, Broden will be doing it as well. Oh boy. And it will be on four year too. So that there's not gonna be any more money left in my shop. <laughs> Well, thanks, man. We appreciate the kind words and everything and you coming on. It was a great time. So thank you, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Mark, uh, what a great episode with Brian Henry. This is definitely going to be one of the longer ones. Um, man, some great uh, discussion with him. We're going to have to have him on again. Uh, we could talk for hours and hours with him. Austin, you looked down and it was a half hour in and it feel, felt like we just started. Yeah, for sure, man. Hey, he's in pit stall number one, you know, so we always end up finding our way there, and uh, we usually end up finding our way leaving there, too. He's one of the last ones that's 
that's there. So <clears throat> otherwise, yeah, it's a, definitely a family-oriented uh, team right there, and they have themselves a whole bunch of fun. Yeah, for sure, and uh, can't wait to see what they got in store. You heard them talking about the things that they're going to have for the kids and being interactive, and, and that's huge. You know, we talked about it. That's that's absolutely huge. It is, yep. We all know the kids are uh, is the future of racing, so he's pointing in the right direction for that. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, well, let's transition into the, the NASCAR portion here. So the trucks were at IRP. Uh, Lewis spins early. Deegan and Van Elst get caught up in that. Ty would win the stage over Heim, Eckes, Riggs, Garcia, Hosvar, Enfinger, Carruth, Tanner Gray, and Zane Smith. And Deegan's uh, bad luck just keeps on continuing, ain't it? Yeah, she's, uh, she's had a rough go at it. She seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time lately. Yep. Uh, Hacker spins on the back stretch in stage two. The stage would end under caution. Ty sweeps the stages. This time uh, he finished first over Heim, Enfinger, Eckes, Hosvar, Sawalich, Zane Smith, Tanner Gray, Riggs, and Sanchez. Yeah, <laughs> Ty was focused on this race. They showed him before the race, and he was standing against the wall, and they walked up to him, and he just looked like he was just... Totally intensely focused for this race, man. Well, and remember, he should have won this race uh, a year ago. He had that slow leak in that tire that allowed Grant Enfinger to get by him late. Yep, so it brings back memory, bad memories that way. But, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was definitely the truck to, uh, to beat at that time. Yep. Uh, Tanner Gray gets a penalty for a restart violation near the end of the race. Uh, right as that is happening, Thompson tries to clear himself but isn't clear. Boyd comes along and nails him. That was a big hit. And Thompson's truck was destroyed. <laughs> yep. Uh, Lewis and Deegan make contact. Deegan goes hard into the wall. Long night for her, as we yep. just talked about. Yep, and that, that, that finished her off for the rest of the night. Yep. Uh, Ty would go on and win the race, so redemption for him. Yeah, uh, over Eckes, Riggs, Hosevar, Zane Smith, Sawalich, Carruth, Heim, Crafton, and Benedetto. So Ty advances to the next round. Yeah, he gets a freebie going to Milwaukee, man. So he can, <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, going to go there and try to get some championship points, man. Just so, you know, win some stages, win some championship points, because those are huge right now. And we talked about that with him, picking up some more playoff points. He picked up seven. Yeah. Uh, so that's those are big points right there. Those are huge right now. Uh, so Ty advances. The rest of the playoff picture looks like this. Haim is plus 47. Eck is plus 39. Hosevar plus 35. Zane Smith plus 29. Infinger plus 24. Rhodes plus 4. Sanchez plus 2. Crafton is minus 2. And Benedetto is minus 3. So, yeah. We'll see how that goes, but the only one that's locked in for sure right now is Ty. And that's uh that's a close cutoff line there, like this first one usually is with with the trucks there. Um unbelievably close. But yeah, you know, you think about Ty winning that IRP redemption and then he's gonna be the favorite going into Milwaukee, so this could create some momentum for him you for sure. Yeah, you would think that he that he would be the favorite there. Yep. Well, then, the Xfinity Series was at the Indy Road course, like we mentioned. A uh, lightning delay, only a few laps in happened. 
Uh, some choose to start in wet weather tires and some choose to start on slicks. So that was interesting. Yeah, it was lightning. You know, <laughs> delayed the, the show right away there. So um, I didn't know how they were going to get the rest of the show. And when they got the race going, that sun was pretty far down in the sky. And I didn't know if we were going to be able to finish that off. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was bringing that up to you and, and Brian as we were talking off air. I know the TV, you know, there's a sweet spot for the TV, right, so the later start times. But when there's tracks without lights, I wonder why we don't start that an hour or two earlier. I can't think that it's that big of a difference for TV versus not finishing the whole race. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it just seemed like uh, they uh... – didn't have many cautions, so that kept the race running. So that uh, that helped. I think if there would have been some uh, long caution flags, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to finish that race. Yeah, uh, Chastain goes around after contact from Mozak. Mozak will get some decent damage to his right front. And Mozak keeps learning away, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, AJ would win the first stage over Mayer, Hemrick, Kligerman, Elgire, Gibbs. Retzloff, Chandler Smith, Barry, and Custer. Yeah, AJ sure knows how to get around there, man. Oh, yeah. Um, Kligerman has a flat tire in Stage 2. That would hurt him. Uh, he just gained a bunch of points in that stage prior to that. Yeah, but boy, later in the show, man, Kligerman was moving. Yes, he was. Uh, Prez then has a, a brake issue and stops on track. And that'll get you a caution real fast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, Elgire and Custer racing tight and make slight contact. Elgire pushed up the track and Custer spun in the wet grass there. Yeah. Well, that was that contact that was going on there. Uh, Hemrick goes hard into turn one, spins and gets an anemic check a few times. Hemrick gets into Chandler Smith slightly as well a lap later. Yep, so there was still some hard racing that goes on there. That Indy Road course... Um, it's it's okay. It's it's I don't know. I still feel like we should be on the oval. Um, not much of a crowd there, but uh, it is what it is. The road course is what it is. So yeah, there's a lot of talk about them going back to the oval. So so we'll definitely uh, see what happens there. Uh, but AJ wins the second stage as well over Gibbs, Mayer, Creed, Herbst. Hill, Chandler Smith, Nemechek, Hemrick, and Clements. That mayor, he's sure finding out that he's a road course ace, huh? Yeah, um, he, he certainly is. And uh, we'll talk about him a little later on as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the uh, third stage there, uh, Nemechek was speeding on pit road. That would obviously hurt him. And then Gibbs overtakes, overtakes excuse me, AJ on pit stops. Caution shortly after for Castro, who was stopped on track. Chastain goes to the garage during the caution as well. And that Gibbs overtakes AJ was a big deal right there. Yes, it was. That was a big deal for sure. It was the big deal. <laughs> um, Jones goes around and one on the restart. Mozak sends it in and sends Chandler Smith and Hemrick into the grass. Decent, decent shot there and some damage because of it. Yeah. Uh, Mozak... Uh, I don't know if he had a brake issue or what happened there, but he went in hot. Chandler car, Chandler, he looked like he was at Martinsville. <laughs> the car yeah. was used up, man. Yeah. Uh, Burton gets loose and into see who would spin. And then Ellis and Perkins make contact, and Perkins' tire gets cut immediately. He makes it back around. Chandler Smith overshoots the corner. 
and was running right with Gibbs, trying not to go another lap down. That was a close call for Gibbs. Yeah, that was a very close call. Uh, boy, that has to be nervous when you're leading and you see something like that happen. Well, it's, it's part of it, man. <laughs> it's, you know, everything worked out for Gibbs, though. Uh, Grala goes off the track. Nemechek uh, tries to go around, but they make contact, and Nemechek spins. I think Nemechek could have gained more room, but that is so tight there. It's kind of a bad place, bad time, as I see it. He, he thought he had him cleared, but apparently not, and yep, something went wrong. Uh, Sieg would have a broken track bar, but Ty Gibbs takes the race over Mayer, Almendinger, Hill, Elgeyer, Custer, Kligerman, Creed, Grella, and Moffat. Kligerman was probably the fastest car at that point of the race, but ran out of laps there. So, yeah, Gibbs gets that. And that's your pick, wasn't it? Isn't that nice? Yes, it was. <laughs> beat, my, I, beat my AJ, who won the first two stages. So, yep. Anyway, anyway it is what it is. I, I enjoyed that for sure. But, um, hey, four, uh, four races remain before um, the playoffs for the Xfinity Series. Austin Hill is leading the regular season standings now over Nemechek by 11. Remember, they were tied coming in. Elgeyer is 34 back, and then it's a ways back to Custer, who is 112 back, and it goes down from there. Just get an outsider to win, and it'll just be turmoil after that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that uh, that could easily happen. It could easily happen, yep. Yep. Uh, as far as the playoff picture uh, looks here, um, Josh Berry is plus 114 to the cut line. Sheldon Creed is plus, uh, or actually Daniel Hemrick is plus 50. Riley Herbst plus 34. And Sheldon Creed is plus 17. Parker Kligerman is the first one out. He's minus 17. Brandon Jones minus 65. Brett Moffitt minus 95. And, and it goes down from there. Yeah, them last five, they're going to have to uh, win win to get in. That's the only way. Yep, I totally agree with that. Uh, then the uh, Cup Series at the Indy Road Course. Lally gets into Kobayashi, who spins. Uh, Logano goes over the curb and gets into Justin Haley. Justin Haley would go into the tire barrier due to that. Pretty good shot for him. It was, and the only caution for the race, man, it took him a while to reset that tire barrier. Yeah. It, and it's it, lucky he didn't roll over. That would have been easy to roll that car over when you hit them tires like that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Logano then gets into the back of Blaney, and Logano spins on the restart going into turn one there. Uh, SVG also into Gibbs, and Gibbs spins, so a lot of action. I'm sure Gibbs wasn't happy about that. It looked like he was racing mad after that. Yeah, <laughs> it did look that it way. It sure did. Um, McDowell wins the stage over Suarez, Elliott, Reddick, Larson, Bush, Bell, Bowman, SVG, and Truex. McDowell, man, huh? Up front, gets his first stage win ever. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. Um, in the second stage, Bert, uh, Button and Rockenfeather, Bert, uh, excuse me, Button, Rockenfeather, and LaJoy, easy for me to say, speeding on pit road under green. There you go. There's them penalties again. Uh, Blaney and Elmendinger would make contact. Elmendinger would go around. I tell you what, it was a long day for AJ. AJ had a terrible race, man. <laughs> um, and uh, just like you were talking about, Gibbs was my pick. Elmendinger was my pick for the I cup. Was, so. And I was enjoying that. So there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hamlin wins the stage over McDowell, Suarez, 
Kozlowski, Elliott, Bush, Reddick, Bowman, Briscoe, and Larson. Hamlin was only up there for one reason, and that was to get that stage point. Yes. Uh, Suarez moves Elliott out of the way for second. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty big shove there. Yeah, it sure was, but Suarez was racing very aggressively. He was. Uh, unfortunately, he would have a long uh, pit stop there with 34 to go. The hose got stuck underneath the car. It got kicked under the car by the tire carrier, and it was just a little bit curled, and all of a sudden went down, and, and the dude couldn't pull the hose off. The jackman was on the other side, and yeah, it cost him maybe, I don't know, 10 seconds extra. Yep. Could, have been, could have been a lot worse. Could have been worse for sure. Uh, then Stenhouse and Button make contact twice. Button end up uh, going around there. Yep, so yep, spun out there. Uh, Gilliland spins and hits the wall. No caution there. Uh, also, it was very subtle, but did Larson make contact with Hamlin and push him up the track a little bit going into one of the corners? I thought I caught a little bit of that. It's possible. You know how them two are going to get along lately. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why it caught my attention. That's probably why. <laughs> um, Button misses the corner and gets into Stenhouse. No love lost there from the earlier incident. I think that was the same corner as earlier, too. Yeah, so it almost looked like a payback kind of thing, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, then Stenhouse gets into Kobayashi, who spins kind of a long day for Kobayashi there, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, but uh, hey, he gave it a best shot. Uh, come back next year and he'll probably be a lot better. Yep. Uh, Chase Elliott would close, but it would not be enough. Michael McDowell wins to guarantee a spot in the playoffs. Uh, Elliott was second, Suarez third, Reddick. Bowman, Briscoe, Truex, Larson, Bell, and SVG rounds out the top ten. You know, if there wasn't lap cars that Chase Elliott had to fight through, he might have got there. It just seemed like he was catching the, the lap cars at just at the wrong place that stopped him from advancing. Yep, that uh, that was interesting there. Um, so two races remain before the start of the playoffs for the Cup Series. Truex is the leader for the regular st- um, regular season standings. Hamlin is 60 back, Byron is 104, and it goes down from there. So uh, Truex looks to have that pretty locked up. That's two races to go. That extra 15 points, man, them championship points, he's going to be in the uh, driver's seat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then as far as the playoff picture goes, uh, Harvick is plus 145 and 13th. Uh, Kozlowski is plus 143. Bubba Wallace is plus 28. And it looks like... um, uh, Suarez is the first one out, minus 28. Ty Gibbs is minus 49. You know, you get some outside guys there. That could end up still, if two guys win, it's going to end up being who's the best out of Harvick or Keselowski. And right now they're both up how many points? 160 points, and one of them could actually get thrown out. Yep, 145 and 143. That's what it is. Um, yeah, because Bubba Wallace is plus 28, so there's three in on points right now with two remaining. So one of those will for sure make it. But, you know, you think about we're going into Watkins, and then Chase Elliott has won there a few times. Could he pull it off? And knock uh, Bubba out, and then it's the following week, so that's a scramble. So, those guys that are 140 points up right now, one of them can find themselves out. Well, just like Truex, wasn't Truex second in points last year and and barely missed out? And Blaney was first. And if uh, Truex didn't have issues, Blaney would have been out as the point leader. I mean, 
That's wild. So you better get that victory, right? <laughs> yeah. That victory is very important. No doubt, for sure. Uh, well, we're going into Watkins Glen weekend now for the Xfinity Series and Cup Series. Uh, in the Xfinity Series, last year's winner was Kyle Larson. He's not in the field this year. Uh, Mark, you go first. Who do you got for the Xfinity Series? Man, I'll series? tell you what, the guy that's been just surprising the hell out of me on road courses, Sam Mayer. I mean, he's got a first and a second lately, and, I mean, looks awesome. Man, I'll pick him while he's hot. I uh, That's a good pick, by the way. We talked about it. He's running well on the road courses earlier. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, who's going to be in that number 10 college racing car. I think Almendinger is technically on the list, but Almendinger has done the five races, so Kyle Busch slots in for AJ. Yep, that'll work for you, so good luck with that pick. And then uh, in the uh, Cup Series, the uh, defending winner is also Kyle Larson. Remember, he swept the races last year. I go first for that one, and I think that Chase Elliott will get it done and sneak into the playoffs. And I will go right back and take Kyle Larson for the third time. Because, you know, Hendrick sure seems to have, have it figured out over at Watkins Glen. So I'll take a Hendrick car. There you that's go. That's the best one I'll grab right there. Hendrick versus Hendrick, so that's, good luck to you. That's why I did it, because I figured I need somebody like that to beat Elliott. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's going to end this episode. So thanks to Brian Henry for uh, coming on. Thanks to the Corp Racing for coming on as a sponsor as well. Thank you, Tim, for all the, the help with that. And looking forward to it. Mark, looking forward to later on today, uh, another weekly race at Wisconsin International Raceway. So it should be a good, another good night out there. Come out there. Racing starts at 630. Um, what else uh, What else you got? Yeah, that's about it, man. Uh, I just got done with the uh, the Dells last week and ran up to Wausau. There were two fantastic shows up there. That was super. Um, going to Jefferson on Saturday night just for some Saturday night thunder down there. See what's going on around there. And then, uh, wow, the following weekend, man, we're looking at the Leto and Milwaukee, man. It's coming up fast. Crazy. Uh, crazy that we're at the uh, end of the season kind of already. Um, it's wild. We're talking about Labor Day and all that already. Uh, I don't know where it went, but it's been fun along the way. But, um, thanks for, for joining me in this always. Thanks to Brian Henry and the Corp Racing as well. And, uh, hey. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you at the track. See ya. This has been a production of Lore Sports. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.